Chris and Chris Talk Movies. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry, and as always, this is my co-host. My name is Chris Huddleston. And today, we are very excited to be talking to you about the 1976. 19th, thank you. <laughs> this is the laziest, the laziest uh, thing I've ever done. Um, and we are very excited to be talking to you about the 1976 horror film, The Omen. For generations, the Thorns have been a family of tremendous wealth, position, and power. The perfect marriage of Ambassador Robert Thorne and his wife, Catherine, was fulfilled by the birth of their son, Damien. And then, when the child was five years old, something terrible happened. And then, it happened again. Was it an accident? Was it murder? Was it a coincidence? Or was it an omen? Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. 20th Century Fox presents a film of psychological suspense about an occurrence of earth-shaking importance. Gregory Peck, Lee Remick, The Omen. I was at the hospital, Mr. Thorne, the night your son was born. I saw its mother. I saw its mother. I have fears. I have fears. What kind of fears? Its mother, Mr. Thorne. You saw my wife. Its mother. What is it you're trying to say? His mother was a... This is not a human child. Make no mistake. There are those who will die for him. There are those who will kill for him. Who is he? What does he want? Where did he come from? And can he be stopped? Gregory Peck, Lee Remick, The Omen. This is the truth. Where does it end? Okay, great classic 70s horror trailer. Do you have a synopsis for us, Mr. Huddleston? I do. This is from IMDb. Uh, the, uh, the Omen, as we said, is a 1976 film directed by the late, great Richard Donner, who just died as of the time that we were recording this just like a week or so ago. Um, it stars Gregory Peck, Lee Remick, and David Warner, and the synopsis from IMDb is, mysterious deaths surround an American ambassador. Could the child that he is raising actually be the Antichrist, the devil's own son? I like that they explain what the Antichrist exactly, is. Right. The in case son. you aren't up on your... <laughs> if you don't know what the Antichrist means, this is what it is. Um, so, Chris, uh, maybe... What's your background with this movie? I believe you said you'd seen it before. And, and what did you think re-watching it? I saw it as a child somehow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. at probably at an age I wasn't supposed to see it. And I don't remember exactly how that was, whether it was on HBO or I don't know. But I saw it and it it, it 
really left a mark on me. Was it the mark of the devil? Yes, it was the mark of the beast. We're going to look under your hair and there's a 666 there? Yes, a perfectly formed, like, uh, good old, like, from a typewriter, uh, (laughs) Arabic numeral six, three times. Because that's how Satan works with a typewriter. Uh, but 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 you know, I, I, a lot of that resonated with me again when I. I think this is a good movie, a solid movie. Um, it's a little slow because it's the seventies. You know the the pace it takes to build this tension and walk us through the unfolding uh, of the truth. Is I think, you know, you could go through and you could tighten up some of the cuts and you could kind of get there. You could lose almost half an hour off this film. But it's not that it feels boring. It just feels a little, um, you know, it kind of ambles along. And and then when you get to a thrilling scene, um, the camera lingers in all the right places, right? So again, we say this every time, but we're going to spoil this movie. It came out in 76, right? So if you haven't seen The Omen yet, we're not talking about the remake. Uh, there was a remake, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah, we're not talking about that one. We're talking about the original. Um, so spoiler. Anyway, alert. So the first thing we see is there's a, there's a nanny who kind of hangs herself. Well, she doesn't kind of all for you, Damien. Yes, she she explicitly hangs herself, literally. And it's at a kid's party and there's about 20 kids there. And she screams, Damien, Damien, it's all for you. And she jumps off. The noose breaks her neck and her body smashes a window. And she's just dangling there, swinging in the wind. And and then the camera just there's photographers who start taking pictures of her and start taking pictures of the kids. So there's a, a layer of this movie that's very meta, right? It's not just about, oh, the little child of the devil and the parents that are coming to terms with that and the existential, what does that mean? Is he or isn't he? And et cetera. It's also about, you know, how what we believe and what we, how seeing is believing and and how this, how we process this stuff. And there's many times where, we know he's the son of the devil, or at least I did because I'd seen the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you if you didn't know that going into it, you spend a fair amount of the movie with Gregory Peck, the father, wondering, like, is this all just, I mean, it's a horror movie, so you know, but then you wonder, is it, is it like a cult thing? You know, really, the son of the devil, is? can that be true? And you're you're much more in Gregory Peck's um, court with with it, and then once you know, and then you're just kind of watching it all play out again. I think great performances, and I think the scary stuff, while it didn't have the impact it did on me when I was a child in, you know, the late seventies or early eighties, whenever I saw it, I still appreciated. Like it was pulse quickening, and you know, I had the creeps when I, I watch it down in my basement. So when I turned off the TV and all the lights and headed back upstairs, you know, I had the shivers, mm-hmm. and that's a pretty effective movie. What'd you think? Yeah, yeah. So I've seen this quite a few times over the years. Like you, I'm I, I don't exactly recall the first time I watched it, but I was definitely pretty young because I know there were things about this that that 
So this movie has a bunch of iconic scenes. Um, so you have, you mentioned the first one where the, where the nanny hangs herself and that really freaked me out as a kid. Yeah. Whatever age it was that I saw that. Um, you have these, uh, Rottweilers all through the movie that are yes. like the, you know, the hounds of hell or whatever yes. they don't say, but you know, they're protecting Damien and, and other, you know, trying to thwart, uh, Gregory Peck and David Warner. And this movie made me really scared of Rottweilers, which the ironic thing is any Rottweiler that I've ever been around, like, you know, friends who have had Rottweilers as pets, they're super sweet dogs. So, you know, there's really no reason to be scared. But I I was scared of them as a kid, sort of as a result of this. Um, So there's that scene with the nanny. There's a scene where and I for a long time conflated this with another mixed it up with another movie. Um, so when it got to the scene, I thought, oh yeah, I forgot this was in this. When they go to the, it's like a drive through zoo safari kind of a thing where Damien's with the mother and there are these baboons, the baboons attack the car. Uh, that's a great scene when, uh, there's another scene where, so there's this priest that continually goes to Gregory Peck to be like, you gotta kill him. You know, you gotta your wife is going to die, you know, all this. And uh, so, you know, he keeps warning him and, you know, Gregory Peck thinks the guy is nuts. And, um, but he reveals to him that she is pregnant, which Gregory Peck doesn't know. And um, so there's a scene where she's on, she's on the, they live in this beautiful, he's an ambassador and they've, they've, uh, he's become the ambassador to the United Kingdom and they, you know, buy this beautiful mansion. And, um, She's up on the second floor hanging some plants or something like that. And he rides, Damien rides through on a tricycle and knocks her off. And she fell, falls over the ledge uh, down to the ground and then loses the, the baby. That's an iconic scene. That's great. That's yeah. It's really, real, really well done is she's holding on to the, she slips and he's sitting right there watching her. He's just watching. Yeah. And you know, the kid, so we've talked about this a lot. Kid actors generally are terrible and they do a really smart thing with this kid. He's not in it very much. I mean, I bet if you tallied up all the time he's in it, it might be 10 minutes, you know, right. or something that he's actually doing anything. And he just kind of scowls or he, there's a couple of times where he screams a little bit, he's but he may be five, but yeah, he, I, I think he's playing four, three and a half, yeah, four, four, right? I mean, he's, I, know that I think it's crisis. supposed to be five because when they go, there's a cemetery scene yeah. and they go and it's, oh, five I, it says years five ago, years right, ago. Five yeah. Years so ago. he's supposed to be five, but, but he doesn't say anything. He doesn't really say anything. Yeah, he doesn't really speak. So that that's very smart on Richard Donner's part. Uh, Cause he, he doesn't have to get a lot out of this kid, but the kid is still creepy, you know, and Donner does it. And especially like if this is the first time, you had seen this, which, you know, I can't remember that, but I could imagine audiences being, you know, thinking, oh, there's a little boy and, you know, he's going to kill him. And by the end of the movie, you're like, kill that bastard. Get, kill get, him. You, know, you know what I mean? Kill him. Uh, but so uh, there's that scene. There's a great scene in a cemetery where they um, discover that they have uh, 
switched out the bodies. So, um, you know, uh, they had just, you know, they find this grave and they just thrown this baby in there and smashed its skull. You know, whoever these people were done. There's this old Etruscan site in Rome, not far. Well, in in Rome is where, uh, they adopted Damien. And so, Gregory Peck and his wife, she's pregnant. The doctor comes out and says, I'm sorry, the baby didn't make it, but, you know, there is another child. I, the mother doesn't know yet. Um, there is another child born at the same time whose mother died in birth. Why don't you just, and they even look alike, why don't you just take this baby as your own, right? Save its life, give it a home. And... You don't have to tell your wife, you know, because this would devastate her to know that the child's gone. And and so and and the performance is a good gravy. This is like crazy. What are you talking about? Um, but but he agrees to it. And that's how they get Damien, who is not their natural born son. And then so once they're, they're kind of on the trail that something very crazy is going on, they go back to Rome and they find out that the hospital burned down that night, basically. And there are no records or anything are left. Mm-hmm. And they, they go find the guy who is still alive and horribly burned. And he sort of, they they press him until he sort of, he doesn't speak, but he scrawls this, the name of this place. And they show it to a nun. And she says, oh, that's that's an old Etruscan, you know, grave site from, you know, the Etruscans were pre-Roman. So it's thousands of years old. It's north of Rome. So they go up there. Very creepy uh, place, ancient looking, you know. It's a great, I love that scene. Ground. It's great. Yeah. And climb over this big wrought iron fence with spikes on top. It's, 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 it's extremely creepy. And they find these two, they're searching around. They find these two graves. I don't know why someone would bother to put, <laughs> you know, engrave a stone on it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's what we find. And they move this slab off the, the mother's grave. And it's the skeleton of a jackal. And, you know, it's lightning flashes and, oh, oh my God. And um, and he's like, we, we have to get out of here. And he's like, wait, I, I want to check the other one. He's like, why? You know, he says, because if there's an animal in there, my son might still be alive somewhere, right? So they, they slide that one off. And then there's the skeleton of a baby. And it's clearly the, the skull has been punctured, mm-hmm. right? So it's clearly been murdered at birth. And that is when a bunch of hellhounds, Rottweilers, sort of encircle them and attack. And that's a very intense. I can't think of too many dog attack scenes I've seen in cinema, but this one is genuinely harrowing. It's um, a really good one. And they sort of managed to just get away, climb over the fence in time, but it's close. Yeah. And then you have the, uh, so the other kind of two iconic scenes, you have the very end where or almost the very end where Gregory Peck, they, they go to this guy who instructs him how to find the mark of the beast on the sun. And then uh, what he has to do to kill him. And he gives him these special knives, which you pointed out. And I hadn't really thought of that. He was able to just bring those on, uh, uh, on the plane. And uh, I said, well, it was the seventies, you know, it was like, would you like a, a pack of cigarettes to smoke while you, play with your knives sir you know <laughs> exactly. um but so you have the scene where he he where gregory peck takes him into the church and he's going to 
stab him and he's going, no daddy, no. And then the, the police come in and shoot him, uh, shoot Gregory Peck. Uh, that's a, you know, that's a great scene. The only scene in the entire movie that in my mind was really amazing that does not hold up is there's a beheading scene mm-hmm. and the head looks so terrible. Mm, it's yeah. really, really awful. That's the only thing in this, you know, very well done movie that looks cheap. I felt. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also if you think about it, so there's a hanging and then there's an impaling and none of that really. The oh, beheading. I forgot about the impaling scene. Yeah. yeah. That one's great too. And we need to talk about the, the photographer who mm-hmm. is beheaded here, but, but in his sort of how they, the stepping stones that get us there. But in that scene, yeah. So it's, uh, there's a, a truck that has big plates of glass on the flatbed and it comes, the brake slips and it comes rolling down and, and then it hits a burn. It's like a final destination kind of. Yeah, a, exactly. Kind hits of a, a burn and, and the sheet of glass comes and the guy looks up and it catches him right in the throat and just. Whoosh. So this this flying big pane of glass takes his head right off and it's clearly, um, you know. A dummy, a yeah. dummy head. But so, so the only thing about that is, uh, there would be a huge spume of blood. I would mm-hmm. think, right? I mean, yeah, it's just like you knocked a head off of a mannequin or something. It's a way that's it, exactly, and that's filmed, what it looks know? like. I mean, the thing is well filmed, and mm-hmm. you know that how you get there and the build up to it and his expression and everything else, so that there's this payoff of like ah, you know, but. But I think if you actually were to create uh, that kind of an accident, there would be, unlike some of the others, and the impaling one there wouldn't necessarily be fountains of blood, but, you know, your heart would just keep pumping. You'd just mm-hmm. have these fountains of, of blood coming up out of the stump of the neck there, um, which we don't see. Yeah. And I remembered again, it's, you know, it's, it's funny how your memory works, but I remember that just being so disturbing, you know, and you see it now and it's like, wow, that looks bad. The, another thing that I noticed that made me laugh a little is where the priest, so the priest is running, he, he reveals, you know, more information to Gregory Peck and he's running to the, the storm comes up and he's running to try to get into the church before the devil can get him. And this, uh, you know, the, whatever the, the point at the top of the church. It's like a lightning rod. Or yeah. Something. Like a light, a lightning rod. Yeah. You're exactly right. It falls and impales him, but it's funny the way it shot because watching it, I was thinking, you know, he had enough time that he could have moved out of the way. Cause he stands there and screams, you know, as it's falling, right. it just seemed, I don't know. It's just a kind of a nitpicky thing, but it, it Although, that, you that know, I, I will say this in defense of that. Um, Everyone is fine, but we were in a car accident not too long ago, and it, I remember, it, you know, that sensation. I wasn't driving. I was in the passenger seat, and I just remember how how time seemed to slow down, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I was sitting there sort of watching it happen and it felt like it was, you know, it felt like you could see exactly what was going to happen when the other car was going to make contact with our car, but it all seemed to slow down the closer it got. I didn't feel like I was, I mean, what was I going to do? Jump out of the car, you know, mm-hmm. but 
I didn't throw my hands up over my face or anything. I just sat there stunned, you know? So it having been in that experience does make me think, because in movies you're like, get out of the way, man. Mm -hmm. But you're really, you could be struck uh, by fear in such a way that you don't, you don't think you're not thinking, you know, you're not like, Oh, I'll just a step to the left and uh, no. Impact. And maybe it's one yeah. of those things where it's like hard for your brain to process, you know, cause you're just, it's so out of the ordinary, you know, that you drive and drive and drive and you don't think much about it. And, but it, you know, if you hit something or something hits you, it's, I guess maybe your brain just doesn't react. Yeah. You know, I kind of locked up, you know, I, it was, it was weird. Um, anyway, but you know, but as that's a, a very nitpicky thing in, in the movie. Yeah, it just it just made yeah. me laugh a little bit. But I think that the way that the cuts it cuts to the thing and it's like, and then the reaction and the the wide eyes, like it's it's pretty well uh, edited. And I think that the director and the editor do a good job of orchestrating the impact of those moments because it isn't a great big budget movie. Um, there's some really lush locations, like really uh, handsome places where they live and they're in Rome. But but in terms of the actual effects, it doesn't seem like they spent a lot of money on the effects. Mm -hmm. it, the, the horror in this movie is mostly about concept and mood and the shock when somebody kills themselves or is killed by these sort of supernatural forces. The photographer has... The, the photographer catches up with Gregory Peck and he's like, I want to show you something interesting right after the after the priest has died. He shows from the party, he shows a picture of the woman who hung herself and there's this sort of faint line on the print that basically in retrospect looks like a noose, you know, the rope of a noose coming up from the back of her neck. And he's like, I thought it was just a flaw of the film. But then he has some pictures of the priest too in totally separate occasions and on those pictures there is a vertical line at an angle kind of going through him that exactly matches the angle that this thing is going to impale him and i remember when i first saw it thinking that was creepy as hell yeah it's very uh, and effective then watching it this time i was like oh, so i don't so <laughs> what is happening here right <laughs> is it, is he marked for death and that affects film I just didn't, you know what I mean? I'm yeah. like, it's creepy. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but then, of course, he takes a picture of himself in the mirror later, and there's a horizontal, a very, it, they seem to get darker and more More pronounced, kind of, yeah. As we go through the movie, and this one is, there's a very clear black sort of slash horizontally across his throat in that picture, which, of course, foreshadows his decapitation. Mm -hmm. um, but I think all of those things adding up, and Gregory Peck is a great a choice for yeah. this because he's so sort of stoic. And, exactly. That's the perfect word, yeah. And they do things to kind of warm him up and, and make him his relationship with his wife seem genuine, and they give him opportunities to smile and be the loving husband. But he's really at his best, I think, in this movie when... He has to do these scenes where, you know, he finds out his wife dies and he he comes to realize that his son, that all of this does seem to be real to the point where he is willing, he's convinced and he has to go get his son 
from this other nanny that shows up who is clearly, you know, a devotee and is there mm-hmm. to protect him. So there's a Rottweiler at the house and there's this nanny who sort of manages to maneuver get, firing all the rest of the staff. So he knows his five-year-old son is at home with this woman who, as another character says, will die to protect him. And this hellhound, basically. And he's got to get the kid away from them and get him to a church. You can't just kill the kid. You have to take the kid to the altar at the church. And then there's a whole ritual way you have to kill him with these particular daggers also, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But, you know, it's a religious thing, so there it is. Yeah. Um, And we actually see that's the end of the movie. That's the finale is him getting back to the house, getting in the house, evading the dog, locking the dog off, fighting off the woman, right? A couple of times. She comes back a couple of times. All of this is pretty brutal. Um, The kid screaming doesn't want to be, you know, is kicking and screaming. Um, And he he ultimately, he literally has to, a five-year-old, you could still carry a five-year-old under your arm, but they're big. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not a two-year-old. And this kid is kicking and screaming. So he has to basically drag this kid out and put him in the car. And then the police... And it's goes, already... I, I don't want to... I, I want to just interject for just one second. We, it's already been established early on that just... There's a scene early where they try to go to a movie... Uh, not a movie. They try to go to a wedding at an Episcopal church. And he freaks out. As he you know, gets they, close to the as house he gets of closer, God. so it's it's already been established that like it's painful or frightening for him to even go right to a church. So, and the kid, just to digress a little bit here, the kid doesn't seem to know he is the son of the devil. Yeah, that's the feeling that you get. He's just a kid, right? Mm-hmm. And there's these people around him, and he he sort of seems fascinated by death, and these, you know, it, it certainly doesn't trouble him seeing the the first nanny hanged and his mother fall off a balcony, you know, and he's got these, this nanny around him who is sort of encouraging him and sort of sets him going on the tricycle around, around the room. And then she opens the door and out he goes in the hallway. So it's not like he is this evil little, now I will, you know, murder. They don't, there aren't scenes where he's like torturing animals or something like that. Right. Um, He's, or beating up other little kids. Or... Yeah, quote unquote innocent of it at this point. They're basically mm-hmm. the people around him, the Satanists around him are trying to protect him and just yes. make sure that he grows up and inherits his father's, um, you know, sort of wealth and, and also kind of political standing because the goal as we sort of piece it together is that he'll one day grow up and become the president mm-hmm. and initiate World War Three, and mankind will destroy it. So bring about our nuclear Armageddon for the whole planet. Yeah. And that's the plan for the Antichrist. And whether or not that includes this individual waking up to the fact that that's his mission in life or not isn't really dwelt on in this movie because he's just a little five-year-old kid. So they just need to make sure that he's groomed and raised and everything else goes according to plan. There are two sequels. There's yes. the Omen 2 and the Omen 3 where he does grow up. And I don't remember those as well. I remember I don't either. they weren't quite as good. I know you um, have um uh what is his name from Jurassic Park? Um oh yeah. Shoot. He's he is the grown-up Damien version of him, yeah. Yeah. 
And if I remember correctly, he is Sam Neil. Yeah, Sam Neil. He is knowing. If I remember correctly, he is aware of. I think so. By that point, yeah, yeah. Um, when that so, and in the second movie, he's an adolescent. If I remember correctly, at a prep I don't. school, I think, yeah, or and military does, school or something. He does get into sort of torturing animals and bullying other kids, and he has this the ability to sort of. There's a lot of the stuff in this movie where the nanny or somebody or one of the dogs will there'll be this close up of the eyes where they're kind of doing some mental hocus like pocus telepathy or something almost. something. We don't hear whispering voices or anything, but there is a great choral soundtrack of like, sorry if that's offensive. I'm sure it's Latin or Italian. Yeah, yeah. But it is um, it's effective uh, and sort of spooky in a uh, Catholic, you know, uh, arch gothic horror kind of way. Um, And so we start to hear some of that stuff when they get the kind of eye mojo going and then, you know, funky things happen, bad things happen. So, and I think that in the second movie, we start to see him doing some of that. Like yeah. He has a brother or a, a classmate or something that's up in a tree and he gets with the eyes and the kid falls out of the tree and breaks his arm or something. And the other kid is aware that Damien made that happen. Like you made that happen. Anyway, um, so he gets him to the tree, drags the kid, kicking and screaming into the church. And, and then one of the lines the kid does have is, please, daddy, no, don't hurt me, right? And Gregory Peck's performance throughout, I thought, was just terrific. Yes. Really wrestling with the horror of what he's about to do. But also, finally coming, by the time the wife, his wife, is thrown out of a window at the hospital where she's recovering from the first fall that Damien caused. I think he is realizing that this that that the other people that have been telling him are right, and this kid's a monster, and he's got to. And now he, he's seen his own child was murdered. Like all of these things, have made him a believer. It's still a hard thing to contemplate hurting a child, much less stabbing it on the through the heart on the altar of a of a church, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought I thought his performance is great. And, you know, that's a far cry from To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. Uh, but then, of course, the cops show up and they see a man about to stab a kid and they shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of tragic because you're just, you know, again, you're rooting for, the, you're with him all along. Right. And you're you're like, oh, no, they're stopping him from killing this five-year-old, you know, which is a, which is a weird thing to... Uh, it, it makes me mildly yeah. curious about Omen 2 and Omen 3 now because... I don't I don't remember them very well. I I do think I, I mean I don't think Omen 3 ends with Sam Neil launching nukes and and I don't think the world ends. I think it? he becomes president, but I don't know. Right. I, I remember no, no, so little about this. It goes yeah. all according to plan, but but Armageddon is averted, I think. I don't I just don't remember it ending in in just before the credits rolling, and that's how the world ended, right? I would remember yeah. that, wouldn't I? Yeah, I don't, but I, I know I've Who seen... Who stops them or why or how, yeah, I don't remember. I know I've seen it, but I don't I don't remember <laughs> it. I, those, I didn't see, you know, as often as the this original. Um, One of the things that I really like, I as you said, uh, Gregory Peck is great. And I really like uh, 
David Warner in this. This is a bit of a different role for him because, you know, we watched Tron a couple of weeks ago and he was the villain in that. And he, it seems like he played villains a lot. Three villains. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He's, he is, he is, uh, the boss whose name I forget. He's Sark who is the sort of lead heavy. And I believe he also voices the master control program. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So he's all three levels of bad guy. But in this he's um you know, he's he's likable and I feel like the you have the hysterical priest. But when David Warner's photographer character starts talking to Gregory Peck, I really like how all of that is handled because it it seems very believable. You get the feeling nothing is ever really expressed with this. But you get the feeling that neither one of them are re- religious, and so are these. They're these two men that would be skeptical of all this religious stuff, right? Until they actually see evidence that, uh, you know, convinces them that that this is real, right. and then they go and, on kind of a mini. It's go uh, ahead. just to flesh that out a little bit more. It's not just religious, like. Oh yes, I have faith, but it's religious literalism, right? Yes. So, and it's Catholic. Mm-hmm. It's religious Catholic. So, not just God is real, but Satan is real. The Bible is Catholic, right? Um, and and it's all real. And Jesus was real, and you know there are holy artifacts that have holy power. And it's kind of um, it's kind of Raiders of a Lost Ark. I was like, I was going to say that exactly. Yeah, but, it but becomes... that doesn't even it that that doesn't even pin it down to Catholicism as much as that's Old Testament. There was an Ark of the Covenant, right? And mm-hmm. it's like, don't the, the the tablets go in there? It contains the power of God. Don't look at it. Whatever. This is very specific Holy Trinity stuff and revelations and. Catholic uh, priests. I guess they're going to an Episcopalian wedding, but, but there's still a cross. I guess so. Yes, you know, yes, yes. Episcopal Crucifixes. is, is kind of Catholic light. You know, no offense to anybody. Who's and, well, and the people that all come warm, warn him and stuff in Rome are all priests and nuns, and you know what I mean. Yeah. So anyway, so so yes, they don't strike me as particularly religious, but they are going to a wedding at a church, and they want to take their son with them. So. I, I interpret it as, yeah, they're they're Christian. They're just kind of metropolitan, casual Christian. You know, they're not, yeah. take it literally, and, and probably not Catholic, probably not. Because the first guy comes in and says, accept Christ, you know, eat of his, take communion. Drink his, his blood. Flesh, drink his yeah. blood, right? Mm-hmm. Accept him into your body. That's the only way you can fight this. Um. Anyway, so uh, carry on, as you were saying. So I, I, it's uh, interesting that you said Raiders of the Lost Ark because it. I really enjoy once uh, he and David Warner get together because it becomes almost a mini buddy uh, kind of road movie, you know, where they travel around to these different countries and it felt a little Raiders of the Lost Ark you know, to me. And I, I guess I'm just kind of a sucker for any time because of Raiders, maybe any time in movies where, you know, they're traveling to different countries and, you know, cause they're in, it's in England and it's in Rome. And then, um, 
Yeah, well, there's a there's the a power is. to it. Have you ever have you ever been to Rome? I have not. No, I have only been one time, and I wasn't there long. But it does the the ruins. It's has quite an amazing effect on you. Like one of the one of the tours I took, I went down into an old um, set of tunnels that it might have been. I think they were catacombs, but they were Etruscan. They even predated the Romans, and. Uh, the Roman Empire. And so you you're just very aware that you're in this place that has these sort of, you know, alcoves carved out in the wall where you know, a corpse used to lie, but it's it, that's 3 or f- it's thousands of years old, you know, mm-hmm. and you there is just um there's just a weight to to know that somebody was standing in your your these same footsteps in this stone hallway, right? We don't really have that in America. We don't have the depth of that architectural history. Uh, and I think in this movie, you see it when they go to the the ancient burial ground, right? Um, and also the sort of like, oh, it's got to be these daggers. And they didn't go into why. Why does it have to be these daggers, right? These are the, so somebody made seven daggers to kill the whatever. And I presumably they made that, you know, 2000 years ago at the writing of the old or 3000 of writing of old Testament. And so this has got to be them. I mean, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. With the Ark of the Covenant, however, the the beautiful thing about Indiana Jones in that regard is like, oh, well, the the whole world is full of these kind of amazing artifacts. And in our modern world, we don't generally assume that they, have real magical powers, right? They're just, yeah. they're kind of really cool. And we know that the people at the time believe they have these powers. And then the fun thing about Raiders of the Lost Ark is, oh, but this is real. It's real, <laughs> you know? And Indiana Jones has an appreciation for that. So your hero is kind of leading you through it and being like, actually, don't look at it. You know, don't. He is, we get, he is, in awe of it. I, I think when he starts out, well, now we're talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark, but I think when he, when he starts out, he doesn't necessarily believe that the Ark of the Covenant has any, any real power, but right. he understands that the Nazis do. And they decide, you know, better safe than sorry, because these guys are really into the occult and it, it could be a bad thing, even if they got this very valuable artifact, you know, and we hate the Nazis. So let's go stop them. Um, and it isn't until the Nazis are going to open it and crazy stuff starts to happen that I think he, you know, he becomes more of a believer and he tells Marion, don't look and right. I mean, oh, man, we got to watch that again. I love that movie. Yeah, it's it's one of the best all, all time. Anyway, the omen, uh, the omen. So, yes, they do. They do have a kind of a buddy adventure. And I think that takes um, that takes it up a notch. It gives him some of the to confide in like, I'm not crazy. Right. Like, and he needs somebody else being like, I didn't come to you sooner. Cause it just seems so absurd. But you yeah, know, after the third person died and then I've got these pictures of the priest and it's like, you know, and then look at the cover of this magazine. I didn't take this picture, but compare it to these other two things. Like something is going on here. And he started digging and, you know, found out some other weird stuff about the family and the kid and, and it, they, they that happens right about the time when Gregory Peck is feeling like he's nuts, and it's a relief to confide in somebody. Yeah, yeah, that all and works so, really well it because works it's just really these well. two sane, 
rational guys. Sober, you know, Sober, like yes. doubters that they're yeah. just like, you know, please, this is insane. But it just adds up and adds up and adds up. And you start to be like, oh, am I crazy? There seems to be something to this until they get to the point where he's dragging the kid into the church. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy watching a guy drag a five-year-old yeah. into a church to kill him with a knife. You know, it's just crazy. But again, it's it's funny with really good filmmaking how, you know, if the if the director or, you know, whoever wrote it or whatever presents it in the right way, you know, how much you can how you can go along with something that you wouldn't, you know, if it were real, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like you can root for, you know, you can, oh, well, you can, you can be on this, like Hannibal Lecter. You can root for Hannibal Lecter, you know, oh, no, by the end of the movie, we want him to kill. I mean, by the end of the movie, we're yeah. with him. This kid yeah. is a monster, you know? Mm-hmm. And we're fully on board. And that's kind of amazing that you can you can co-opt the audience's sensibilities in that yeah. way. I'm just saying it's still, you can also perfectly understand why a cop would shoot Shoots him. the guy, yeah. Because it looks like it's a, it's a grown man with this kind of wicked sharp dagger about to stab a kid in the heart. Like mm-hmm. you just saved that kid's life. And it turns out. We all wish that you hadn't, but he didn't know that. It's just, it's bonkers. You know, one thing I wondered watching this that I'd I'd never thought about before. So, you know, he was this ambassador and he's, he's going places. And, you know, when he's out in public at different times, there are photographers and press there and everything. And I was thinking, what would the, the articles that would have been written after this happened, you know, his wife gets, I don't know how it would have been presented by the hospital, but either pushed out of the window of the hospital or jumps out the window. Right. And I mean, it's breaks it's the in glass. The, yeah. I mean, breaks the glass. It's and not falls like it's on a sugar car. glass. Those things are big plate things are designed to not break. So that happens. So only the power of Satan could have done that. Exactly. Uh, but that happens, and then, you know, he try he is shot in the process of trying to murder his kid in a church. I just I wonder what you know. I, I that was just something that I thought. Wow, there would have had to have been some crazy news reporting about this. Yeah, after something. it happened, and then the president now seemingly has adopted or is going to you know is is going to care right. for that because i don't know if he's the godfather of of the I child or what that, that would have made um, sense but yeah but we don't we don't really find out but at the funeral for uh gregory peck uh you know the boy is there holding hands with the president and you know then he has that famous thing where he turns around and smiles um so yeah it's uh um I don't know if you want to get into what we thought of it now, but I, I've sure. always liked this one a lot. I mean, this this would definitely be, you know, among my favorite all time horror movies. It 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 plays really well. I mean, this stuff is, you know, I, I've never found exorcism 
stories and stories about the devil. I really enjoy them. I think they're entertaining to watch, but they're not scary to me because I don't believe in any of this, you know? Um, so, uh, but this definitely, you know, there's definitely a creepy atmosphere in this. And when we talked about doing this one, maybe, you know, people may or may not know, but with Richard Donner just dying, I think it's really interesting. His, uh, his filmography, he never gets mentioned among really even his contemporaries, but as far as being, you know, one of the great directors, but he directed the first Superman. He directed the Goonies. He directed, I believe all of the lethal weapon movies and they kind of vary in quality, but at least the first one is a classic and maybe, you know, the second one might be up there as well. And was clearly a success. I mean, these are movies that spawned many sequels. So you can't be like, well, maybe it didn't do well. Superman did well, right? And really kind of... The Omen did well. There were two sequels. And really, I think Superman really kind of, you know, was the beginning of the modern superhero film, really. Because that was kind of the first... Before, you know, they, I think the tagline with that is you'll believe a man could fly, you know, and when you, when you watch it now, the effects of him flying aren't great, but I think that was really kind of the first real serious, high quality superhero film. But, you know, just think about this, you know, maybe because he didn't really have a signature thing because he did, but, you know, he did, you know, I would say one of the best superhero movies ever, one of the best kids adventure movies one of the best horror films and one of the best action movies ever so you know a really really successful director was spielberg involved in the goonies spielberg uh i was producer or executive producer yeah okay because i I always thought donner directed it as a spielberg definitely feels like a spielberg movie you know but but richard donner directed it so he was definitely a and watching this I can't really recall. I know The Omen I had watched quite a few times on TV. This may be the first time that, and I've I've said this before on, on past episodes, I really enjoy going back and watching these old movies that I've seen multiple times on TV when it would have been, you know, I would have watched them in the 80s or 90s and it was pan and scan and now you're seeing them in these really great widescreen presentations. Right. What do you, you watch see... on? Do you have a big flat screen TV that you watch on? Yeah, I've got. So my, the room that it's in um, is, I mean, my house isn't very big, but the the room where my TV is, where my main TV is, is not very big. So it's, it's really, my eyesight is really terrible. So it works out fine. But I've got a 55 inch that is really big, too big for the room. But so it's you know, watching these, these old movies in HD, they just look so great. You know? Yeah. And, and the aspect so. ratio is right. Cause the, pan the aspect ratio is really, right. And really does affect it. And you really see, a, you know, you see, wow. You know, the cinematography is really good in this, the camera movement, you know, he was just a really, really fine director. I feel. Um, I agree. So Yeah. I agree. I would highly recommend. I think it's. um... And I think especially for younger listeners who maybe have not, you know, some of these older movies, because you think of the 80s, especially is a, 
you know, a time period for horror, just because that was when you had all these different sequels and all that. And, um, and this is kind of, you know, you're talking about the, the budget not being big. This was still kind of pre blockbuster film era. You know, you had jaws, you had, you had the exorcist in 1973, which was a huge movie. Then you had jaws, in 1975, which was really the beginner beginning of the summer blockbuster movie. Um, so this probably wasn't a huge budget, but it was a studio film. I think it was 20th century Fox. So it feels classy and, uh, polished, you know, this isn't like a super cheap, um, and it, there aren't, it's got Gregory Peck. It's got Gregory Peck, you know, and, horror generally has always been viewed as just maybe a notch above pornography, you know? And (laughs) so, or, or niche. I mean, I think they, yeah, I think the fact that it has made so much mainstream money over the past, you know, 40 years has taken it from this kind of B minus or C C movie status uh, in the, in the, in the black and white, you know, in the fifties and stuff uh, into the mainstream in it is still considered a, you know, genre movies, but I think studios have started to take it more seriously because some horror movies make quite a bit of money. Oh yeah, definitely in recent years that's happened. But um, even in the eighties, seventies and eighties, when, when the slasher craze was, you know, with Friday yes. the 13th and Halloween and all that, the studios were, cause like the Friday the 13th movies, Paramount was releasing those. And the kind of, if you read anything about that, they were making a ton of money, but Paramount was kind of embarrassed, you know? So, whereas now I think they, it's more kind of like, Hey, if we can make money, we'll, you know, we'll make anything. We don't care. But, but again, well, it was the- still, I, I think also the studios, it's a little bit like they've got a whole, you know, um, selection of stuff. They've got their big tent pole projects, right? And and what you see more and more is we're, we're seeing a lot less of the kind of experimental stuff. And we're seeing a lot less of, um, excuse me, just straight up adult dramas, mm-hmm. you know, um, and the experimental stuff seems to have gone to the streaming platforms, you know, the Netflixes and the Hulus and, yeah. and uh, Amazon, uh, you know, are spending money on making their own content. And they're they're saying, like, you know, we can when you don't need to get everyone together at 730 p.m. on a Friday in the same place to watch it. You know, and they can watch it whenever they want on their own couch and pause and come back to it or skip away if they don't like it. Then it, it's worth us spending a little money and creating, you know, people like anime. Great. Let's make 50 anime things, you know, mm-hmm. give them something to watch. Keep them subscribing. Yeah. And it's working. It's working for them. But I think the studios will say, you know, so we got, you know, we have. And and the horror stuff plays better in certain seasons. So there mm-hmm. we got, yeah, we've got our we we got our entries for that market, and we've got our entries for the you know the blockbuster market. And we've got our entries, you know, and I think it's just become more standard. Yeah, to say that look, if we don't put out a horror movie during horror season this year, we're just missing out because people want to watch new content, and if we're not putting out new content, they're just going to watch our competitors' content. <laughs> you know, yeah, so, yeah. Um. 
in in uh this in that era and i believe the 70s and the 80s and, and you know like you're saying it's it's definitely changed now where you know they're making like i watched uh this uh fear street which is this new netflix it's a series of three movies and um the first one you know is very much a slasher and i guess i haven't watched the other ones but so there and i guess it's been huge and you know so they're making stuff for that audience but i think it, back in this time the 70s and 80s again they were you know they weren't putting a whole lot of money into horror even though it was making a lot of money and but you have these kind of rare films like this like the exorcist and the omen and the shining and uh when bram uh, not bram stoker but when uh Francis Ford Coppola did his, you know, Bram Stoker's Dracula, where you have these studio kind of bigger budget horror films. And, and I, I'm, I really enjoy, you know, it with big, uh, and the shining with Stanley Kubrick, you know, sure. where you have, like you said, you know, you've got Gregory Peck and the Omen and his other movies have big stars in them as well. And, and that, uh, I wish they would do that a little bit more. Yeah. So, but yeah, well, it's, but I definitely recommend the Omen. Check it out. It is, check it out. It, it is, um, an early entry in kind of, yes, I use the word loosely, but grand horror, like taking it seriously. Yeah. Casting an A list actor, you know, walking us in there, you know, we're with him being like, this is absurd. This can't be real, you know, and in the, this sort of modern take on horror being like, uh, uh, is this really happening? Are we really doing this? And the answer being like, yes, yes, yes. And time is running out, uh, you know, but with, you know, legit looking, you know, a good script and ably directed as well as acted, you know, it doesn't look cheap any way, shape or form, except maybe for the decapitation. Yeah. I don't think, you know, I don't think modern audiences aside from that decapitation would watch this and, and think, Oh, that was super corny. You know, it doesn't, it's still, it feels modern enough. I mean, other than just their clothes look funny, but, but other than that, it, it, it doesn't feel like you're watching something. It doesn't feel like it's a hundred years old. It's not distracting. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it feels of its time. It feels like it's the '70s, but it's not like this is the '70s isn't now cool. It's just that's not the point. The point is that the story and the interactions, and when you have the decapitation or other horror moment, um, I think the camera wisely lingers on the observers. Right, really helps us make sense of how to take this in by seeing how the witnesses to these events take it in, right? And each time it's like, oh, what a freak, horrible accident. But of course we know as it happens again and again and again and again, these are no accidents. But it it amps up the sense of actual horror at the event actually happening, right? By to show other witnesses losing their mind being like oh god you know especially the kids the kids was the the first one <laughs> yeah. and, the, for, and, and showing all the kids and all the party guests just sitting there watching this woman's body swinging from the rope and you're just like oh man i love that scene i love i just i mean 
it's all for you, Damien. That has stuck with me ever since I saw that when I was a kid. I, I don't. I think that is seared and and it pretty much, you know, played out the way I remembered it. But that's that's pretty kind of seared in my in my memory. Another thing with this, this is not a a just despite the decapitation, this is not a gore film. There's very little blood in this. So very people, little. this is more almost a thriller than a horror film. So maybe people who are a little more squeamish and aren't gigantic horror films. This is, this is one that you can watch. Yeah. And it's not an edge of the cedar. I mean, again, I started with talking about the pacing of the movie and it's two hours long. I think it would have been, yeah, it's right under two hours, you know, the pace didn't, didn't really, you know, some of these older ones that we've watched, it's tough to, resist the urge to look at your phone but i i didn't now i watched this in two sittings so um but uh i i it didn't feel too slow to me it didn't I wouldn't really say bother too, me i wouldn't say it drags i'm just yeah. there was you know it's it's you sit down and you're like all right i'm gonna watch this horror movie and it takes a while to get going the whole first half of it they're just sort of and Gregory Beck talks slowly. And it's just about establishing the relationships between the characters, right? Which you get, it has the pace of a, of a drama, mm-hmm. right? But it, it is, it turns out to be kind of a thriller and it ultimately it is a horror film, but it, certainly the whole first half has the pace of a drama. I think there might be something wrong with the boy. Like, oh, I don't want, you know, we needed to see a doctor, right? And it's all just very, normal for most of it mm-hmm. with these sort of shocking things interspersed that like the leads we you know are wondering we know it's called the omen and it's it, the the title we know what we bought a ticket for but it's plausible for them to think these sort of freak accidents or strange you know turns of fate than the than the work of the devil so the whole first half of the movie is very much from their point of view and in, in terms of pace and trying to sort of shrug some of this off or explain or it away. That's all. Uh, question for you. Did you ever see the remake? I did not. I saw it and I remember almost nothing about it. So I no, don't know if it was, design. I don't know if it was well done or not. And I, I watched, I actually watched it in the theater and I've never watched it. I don't remember that I hated it or anything. I think I, it, it's just one of those things where it was unnecessary, I felt. Yeah. I mean, this isn't psycho. I wouldn't say this is a, like a cinematic classic. How dare you remake it? But I, I, I feel like this thing was solid. It was good enough. Like, yeah. you know, it doesn't need a remake. You're going to do so, You're going to get somebody better than Gregory Peck, you know, like. Of course, they remade Psycho. They did a shot for yeah, shot. Yeah, it was remake, terrible. Which I, yeah, which I've never seen. But with Vince Vaughn, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't get it. Vince Vaughn, okay, yeah, and he wasn't Vince Vaughning. You know, he was tr- just playing it straight. But I'm like, yeah, but it's Vince Vaughn. Like you can't. <laughs> he does what he does. He's great at it. I love that. But don't give him. You know. Don't mm-hmm. cast a guy that recognizable for a totally different thing in this part. You just can't unsee Anthony Perkins in that yeah. role. You just can't. 
right? And every time you see that character on screen, it's you're like, oh, but that's not Anthony Perkins. That's Vince Vaughn. <laughs> just doesn't work. But they're going to remake everything. I mean, it's just one of those things where I've just accepted it. They're going to remake Star Wars. They're going to remake Star Wars at some point. They're going to remake Jaws. They're already, I think, doing an Exorcist remake. So, you know, yeah, it doesn't really bother me. It used to bother me, and now I just, I just don't care. You, I just don't. Not watch it. I don't see why. I'm just. It's just that you know they, not to be. You know, but it's just that Hollywood is just it just seems like they're latching on to anything that is recognizable that they might be able to, you know, make money from. And and at times it works, you know, sometimes they're, you know, they're OK and sometimes they make money. And so that's why they keep doing it, obviously. I mean, it's yeah. a bit it's a business. OK, yep, I guess it is. Yeah. What are we going to watch for next time? Have we decided? Did you, we had talked about a shock to the system. Did you think you want to watch that? Sure. We can watch a shock to the system. Starring? Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Yes. And uh, that's from A lesser known Michael Caine yeah. film, I believe, from the early 90s. And um, well, we'll have to make sure it's, maybe we should check and make sure that it's well, available. Let's check it real quick because I don't want to do that dumb thing again. Hey, maybe Strange Days is available. Um, I'm going to Our listeners hearing us type. I know it's, 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 it says, it says you can, it says you can see it. HBO Max, Amazon Prime. So that, yeah. You know something I watched just the other day, just to, to throw this out there for, I don't know if anybody has, if this is one that anybody's interested in or not. Oh, we need to say, uh, somebody, gave us a five-star review on apple podcast but we don't know who it was so whoever you were thank you my my mom your mom yeah did she (laughs) listen to the show no uh so somebody gave us a five-star review so whoever that was thank you very much yeah thanks Uh, somebody likes it yeah somebody likes it anybody else listening if you'd like to give us a review we'd love to uh have it but i watched um have you ever seen and this was another one that they made a remake of um have you ever seen The Stepfather? That was one that there were two no. or three sequels. It has. Did you ever watch Lost? Yeah. So John Locke, um, sure is, and this was the my first recollection of him. Um, but he plays this guy. It's the stepfather, and he basically is this guy that kind of goes from family to family, and he finds a woman who is um, a widower or a widow rather. And then, so at the beginning of the movie, he has gotten married to this woman who had lost her husband and she has a teenage daughter. And it turns out that he had done the exact same thing with another woman and had killed her and the daughter. And with this one, he's going to do the same. And it's like, he looks for an out, like his things, the pressure starts to mount on him then he goes to find a new family to go to. Like he finds a new family before he kills the one that he's with. But anyway, that's the, that's the gist of the movie, but it's interesting to see. It's a very different role for him because he's this killer guy. Um, So, but they made a, so I'd never seen it. I just randomly watched it uh, the other day 
it's a pretty good again it's more of a thriller than a than a horror film but they made three of those i think and i he's at least in the second one uh but then they did a remake of it those are from like i don't know mid mid 80s i think but they did a remake of that sometime in the in the 2000s but huh. anyway it's pretty mustache? he has a mustache yeah Rocking the mustache. John he, he looks pretty much the same, just he's got a little bit of hair and he has a mustache and he's just thinner. But but yeah, it's not As a bad As we movie. all were in the 80s. Yeah, we all had mustaches and more hair and we were thinner. Yeah, those were the days. Anyway, so yeah, a shock to the system and find us on all the socials. Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail.com. The socials have been pretty active with comments and things like that. Yay, the socials. You're in charge of the socials. I do check yeah. it out from time to time, but you're mostly driving that. I'm too busy doing other things that aren't the socials. Exactly. But you're doing a good job of it. Well, thank you. You're welcome. And thank right. you, listeners, for joining us for yet another week. Um, so signing off, I'm Chris Ferry. And I'm Chris Huddleston. And we will talk to you next week.